time no see i am just doing amazing tonight it's uh it feels like cape cod here out here in long beach it's super foggy having a hard time freezing cold i'm not used to that and that's that's it just trying yes. to get through all that fog it's 10 20 p.m here for those that are listening and it's snowing so it's snowing outside so about 27 degrees out what's cold oh, to you how cold is it out there right now i had to put a sweatshirt on a hoodie <laughs> so it's like a brisk 65 <laughs> brisk 65 yeah it is not snowing for sure i'm not envious of that well you know cincinnati uh it'll probably be like 65 degrees here tomorrow because our winters are just so weird right now the last few years it's just been all over the place yeah. anyway Hey guys, how you guys doing that are listening? We appreciate you listening and tuning in always. We want to say thank you for everybody who's been reaching out. I uh, just want to give a special shout out to DJ Sickness. Uh, he responded to us with something we said, and I just wanted to say thanks because we appreciate all the kind words. So today's guest is very special. Drew and I have known him for a while now. He has been editing music for DMS for a long time. He was on before me me i don't know if he was on before you drew or not but uh he's been doing it for a while and uh he's a great dj great person he is somebody that when he does something he puts 110 percent into it he is the owner of something you may not heard of it's called club cannon he's the player of players he has his own intro song let's hit him with the intro let's go bring him All in All right, please help us welcome dj donk what up? There we go. That's the intro. <laughs> I love it. It's still going. Good. The ending is the best part. I'm sorry, uh, I jumped the gun on that dude, one. It never so gets old. My favorite is that when I loaded it into Serato to play it, the artist is Shred Flanders. <laughs> Shout out to Seaflow for that one. Yeah. I mean, what year was that? We made it in a hotel room in Vegas, right? Yeah. That, I think it was the same year that when we went out to the DMS party that you guys bought the Xbox to play Grand Theft Auto and then returned it before we left. A quick <laughs> rental from Best Buy or something? Yeah, like every DMS parties are lit. What you guys do? Well, we sat in the hotel room, made stupid mashups, and rented an Xbox, and then returned it before we left. <laughs> I feel like I don't remember exactly what happened, but I feel like we got out there a few days before the party because there was only like a, cer a certain flight one day of the week, and so we were out there a day or two early, fucking off in the hotel, making stupid mashups and playing Xbox. It's two thousand. So 
13 maybe 14 yeah i think i want to say it was the second one i want to say it's the one where we went out and it was like chuck liddell was in the uh, dinghy boat and little john and steve aoki turbulence was like the big song then uh yeah. that was the second year then so probably 2012 maybe yeah yep. I, that night that was probably like the peak of the edm error like i mean chuck liddell in a dinghy boat crowd surfing <laughs> with Steve Aoki DJing and Little John on the mic. I mean, it was insane. Didn't you DJ for Chuck Liddell? Don? Yeah, he, well, he used to live in San Luis Obispo, so I DJed at his house a handful of times. We used to have some fun. All right. Yeah, so, so that was super random when we were at the, at XS that night that he just happened to be there. It was totally random. Was, did he come to our table or we were just going backstage? I, I think we went this. back and said what's up to him and he was with a couple other people that were from my town. So I got to be honest, I don't really remember much of that besides being like, oh, yeah, there's Chuck Liddell in a boat. The night's just a giant blur. He was oh, throwing the- cakes. Yeah, that's right. right. That was yeah. the peak of the cakes. And I remember being I think the, the boats were a new thing. When he broke that out at excess, at least for his Aoki's whole show. That what didn't a- last long at excess, though, right? He didn't play there for very long. No, because he moved. Aoki moved to the Hakkasan shortly after his residency. Right. Uh, Hakkasan opened shortly after that, I think. They 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 cherry picked a bunch of those top guys from Excess and moved them over to Hakkasan. Uh, one of the things that we usually get started with when we have a guest on the podcast is a little uh, rapid fire question round. So we're just going to kind of go into it and, uh, you know, just answer how you feel. And I already know the answer to this one and Drew does too. But what time do you wake up in the morning or the afternoon? Morning. Uh, your dream vacation. I've always wanted to drive across the U.S., and just like check out a bunch of places I've never been. So most people might say they want to go to a specific country, but I just kind of want to cruise the whole U.S. and check it out. No, oh, that's cool. Would, would you do it in a motorhome, a van, or just your regular car? What would you do? I don't know. I mean, obviously a motorhome would be the most comfortable, but uh, I haven't really thought about it in great length yet. I don't know. My wife's... My wife's always wanted to get a motorhome and I would get stuck driving it. So the thought of driving that thing, it sounds like a nightmare. I don't think I would enjoy it. I'd just be white knuckling it. So I mean, didn't Kev get something like a Winnebago or something? Yeah, he, he loved that thing. It was like a baby Winnebago. And they, uh, they used it to go cruise around the States, right? They, they made a couple short runs. I, I don't know if he ended up keeping it or what happened or if he got, just sold it off. I think that you should shoot for the Tesla Winnebago. Dude, if that comes out, that'll definitely be the road trip mobile for sure. <laughs> can you get a camper on the truck, the, the cyber truck? I think you can. They're talking about that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a bed in the, the back of the camper cyber truck? Yeah. Did you pre-order one right? for the 100 yeah. bucks, whatever it was? Yeah. Have you heard anything about that regarding that? I mean, just from whatever I read in the news, like every week, it seems like there's something. But supposedly next year, 2022, they're going to start making them. So we'll see. All right. This is a one that's been pretty hilarious to us. What is the best non-curse word, one word insult? Uh, that would be probably cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that one from Drew. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one the boy's a cat yeah your boy's a cat dude he's something else and i think what you what once you start saying it it makes a lot of sense but no one everyone looks at me like why is he a cat i don't understand i mean you're the one that put me onto that and now i find myself using it all the time <laughs> you should have 
you should have been in Atlantic City with us because me and Drew were just on on one for those two days of just just saying <laughs> ridiculous shit, the most ridiculous shit. That was at the DJ Expo or what? Yeah, yeah DJ Expo, kind of what spawned this show. In fact, I, I want to say, yeah, is uh, Expo just walking around and BSing the whole time. So, all right, uh, favorite childhood show. I was thinking about that one and. I didn't really remember one that stood out to me, but I thought the one that made the most sense was I remember, I don't know how old I was. I could probably figure out when this show aired, but one of the reasons why I wanted to be a DJ growing up was when I would watch like MTV spring break and like DJ scribble would be doing his thing. And I remember always wanting to watch that. And it like made me want to be a DJ cause he was always like rocking the party out there and there's a bunch of people on the beach wiling out. So those I like were that. wild. I kind of even forgot about that until you just kind of mentioned it. And yeah, I remember watching that on TV all the time. He he played DJ Expo. I want to. He headlined that last night or the first. No, the second night. I mean, he's still dope. Uh, I heard him. I want to say it was 2019. I was out in Vegas briefly for bar and nightclub, and Scribble played at what's the new club that's like the speakeasy off the record on the record on the record. On the record. Yeah, yeah, he played there. It was good. His what he was doing was like good for that space. It was scribble being scribble and it was great. Well, that's kind of what the whole theory is behind that venue, right? It's like they appreciate DJs and they bring in DJs, DJs to yeah. play there. I haven't been there yet, but I like that theory of having a spot like that. It's a cool spot. It was kind of weird because it was like more like a bar. But yet they still do like the whole Vegas thing where you get bottle service. And so there's still the whole, you can't stand here. You got to keep moving. And you're like, wait, what, what? I thought this is like a bar. <laughs> you know, like, so it's still got that Vegas thing. I'll never forget when it was the three of us and Simon. We were in Vegas early for a uh, DMS party and we went and saw Vice play. We I think it was Lavo that he played and all of us were in there. And maybe it was Seaflow too. And they just kept shuffling us around. And like all the four of us did or five of us, we just kept moving to a different spot. And when they told us we couldn't stand there anymore, we had to like move to the next spot. We stood there until we got kicked out of that spot. And then like, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) They want you to buy the bottle. They just keep pushing you to buy the bottle until you get frustrated. Uh, Do you own your own Netflix account or do you use somebody else's? Shout out to my mom. I think I'm still on her account. I think like everybody in the family has their own user on that thing. (laughs) <laughs> so, so like you said with audio one the best netflix accounts a free one totally i mean but i do pay for a couple that i lace people up with like that youtube premium family and like yeah. i have a spotify family account that i like lace all my friends up with uh the last thing you had to google when a, the rain 57 came out i was trying to figure out when that mixer came out and i think it was oh six i didn't really get a clear answer on google but i did google that today that's I crazy. think that was 06, 07, because I got Serato 06, February 06, and then I think I bought a 909. So I want to say it probably came out closer to 07, 08, if I'm not mistaken. I just remember the videos of AM when he was like... Yeah, all like, those black and white Serato videos? Oh, my God. And yeah. the one where he's in the club and he's it was like at the end of the night or something. This is one that wasn't a black and white one. But he's like, the one cool thing about Serato in relative mode is I can do this. And he's like doing the this is how we do it and the, this is how we do. And I was like, I need that. 
that totally worked. That marketing sold me, and that's why I got one. I I, I must have got it in 05. That's why I was thinking it was. A, yeah, a I got Serato in 05, and then like a okay. year or two later, I, I bought the 57. I remember the fact that I didn't have to plug in that SL box anymore. So it was all about that 57. I remember people trying to hack it and put a a full SL box inside of a 56. I vaguely remember that too. Because I remember you could see like if you were looking on eBay to buy one, those would pop up. Uh, A mod 56. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say that probably inspired him. Who knows? So, so long ago at this point. But yeah. Speaking of that, uh, we got to touch later on if you still have any of those white Serato vinyls. Yeah, I don't even know. I would have to look. I don't I have think a I do. I don't think I have any left. But I have some I, other like crazy ones that aren't white. Do you still have a decent collection of those? I think I got rid of most of my like collectible ones, but I think I do have some like test pressing weird like brown ones or something. I remember I never got a hold of the white ones, but uh, Titsworth made like a a white vinyl. Then I had a couple pairs of those. I remember I was like trying to buy those on like Turntable Lab when they came out and they were super hard to get. I actually have that pair. You have it still? With like the white and green label on it? Yeah. I think I paid more than the face. I think I paid like double for them. And it was like just after they released, like the next day or something. Probably worth way more than that now. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, I def- I definitely don't know. Don't- the bubble might have burst on that, but there was like a time where people were getting crazy money for, for those vinyl. AGI was- just had a thing where they were, had Mixmaster Mike's has a new record out and they were doing a whole package of a bunch of those old, uh, not old, but a bunch of those collector's item. Oh, really? Oh. But. I don't know if that they're worth any money, like you're saying. I wonder if that that white one's worth any money. It's got to be, right? I would think so. Even though, like, I feel like the amount of people playing on turntables is going down and down every year with all these new controllers and all-in-one solutions that are popping up. I mean, I'm not in the club as much as I used to be, but it seemed like that's the way it was going the past couple of years. Or phase. You don't even need the control signal anymore. Yeah, but you don't need white records either, but it's a flex when you're playing with those, you know? I mean, with the phase, though, now it's like the demand for the record is even down because I can buy buy one pair of records and use it forever in theory as long as I don't lose them or the magnet doesn't come unglued. Are you using phase like on a regular basis? I use phase every Saturday night. Uh, at the club, yeah. And it, it's actually great because the sound system is like all right on the stage and the subs are like underneath the stage kind of. So uh, before, you know, we would have to like put foam and stuff under the turntables and now it's like now right. we don't have to do that. So uh, so what was the last thing you've listened to on Spotify? That wrapped 2021. Uh, <laughs> I, had to go, I had to go double check what I listened to most surprisingly what do you think my number one artist was for 2021 post alone i mean i was surprised it wasn't normally posty takes the number one spot every year but yeah uh, it was machine gun kelly wow interesting i i really liked his album from last year i liked yeah. it too actually i didn't like what it kind of became i liked the music and here's what i mean when i say i don't like what it became it became drew you can probably attest to this a little bit it was the first time, like, a rock song. And uh, for those just listening, I've got my 
quotation fingers up, a rock song kind of came back into top 40 and uh, a rock guy. He is making more rock with Travis, but I hate what like happened with it, that all these people that are like, I'm rock and I like rock. It's like now mainstream and he's with Megan Fox and Travis is with the Kardashian. It's I just hate that part of it. But I liked the fact that I liked the music and I liked the fact that there was like some rock on the radio again. But I kind of hated the, the show here. Everybody that went, I'm like, ugh, I roll. Like I didn't right. want anything to do. I even had tickets and I sold them all because one, I made money. And then two, I just didn't want anything to do with it. I'll just happy. I'll take any rock. I don't care. And Travis is involved. So I'm in. The song with uh, Black Bear was great. I loved that track. Bloody Valentine was cool. Uh, what's his name? Mod Sons, like a writer on some of the tracks, I think, too, uh, on the album. I don't listen to Mod Son, but I, I have heard a lot of people talk about him being dope. It's just interesting, like how that that little crew is becoming cool. Not but, that they're not cool, but. But I want to say Travis and this album probably brought it to light, right? It's kind of in our era the underground just came to light once you know one or two records becomes big it's going oh let's pick everybody else from the underground this is popular make it cool so i don't know maybe it's just something we didn't know about i think uh the two videos for both of the songs were cool too the uh my ex's best friend video is pretty sweet and i feel like it's rare anymore when you get a sweet music video like it's like he's like up the car is like upside down He's like sitting on the car playing guitar and it's like driving down the road, but it's upside down. So it's pretty neat. That's dope. I, uh, I, I want to say I haven't watched the video. I would think you would have you would have played it doing video. I know. I, I think I, I was never playing it. Are you still uh, doing I'm, video stuff, Drew? Yeah, mostly. Mo- I mean, if I do a club or a bar, I'll play video or every now and then if I have my toad booth, I'll, I'll throw videos on for weddings and stuff. I wasn't playing MGK at my weddings. Uh, I probably should have been, but I I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, do you play that stuff in the club, Fuse? I play the bar I play at on Fridays. I play the MGK. I play it maybe like the first hour in the night. I'll play it. I mostly played my ex's best friend. Every once in a while, I would play Bloody Valentine if I was because it was like 80. That's one's like 80 BPM. So if I was mixing like Panic at I Write Sins, Not Tragedy and like What's My Age Again and those couple rock songs from like 75 to like the 90, I would kind of skip through them all real quick. I, I'm, I I'm, could see it working. I, I'd try the next bar i do yeah that my my ex's best friend got more of a reaction than bloody valentine those that's those are good i like listen like those are good songs the i like black bear and that song is cool so yeah i mean i think my rap is kind of skewed because we always have like the my spotify account is tied to the sonos throughout the shop and it's just like playing in the background while everybody's working it's like a rotating shuffle it's not necessarily stuff that i put on you know yeah, my Spotify was super skewed. My my top twenty one was mostly a bunch of wedding stuff that yeah you know, I, I put on when I'm running around and doing stuff. My artists were pretty accurate, but the, any singles were very skewed towards weddings. I don't well, think I have a favorite song that I play over and over any time of year. No, you know? no. I mean, there might be one cut off like a CD that you'll listen to. A couple times extra, but I'm not putting anything on a repeat and listening to it every day, yeah. five times. You know? <laughs> uh, let's see here. What's one of your favorite things to do 
when not DJing, but since you're not DJing much at the moment, we'll say when you're not working. I mean, that's got to be golf, right? <laughs> God, I got the bug during COVID. So. Golf is like, I, I remember this conversation between the two of you guys talking about golf. Yeah, because that's the only thing that you could do for right. We got Drew out to the top golf or the top tracer when he came to visit a few months ago. If it I mean, was, that was like that was over a year ago now already. It was when you wasn't that like it was November a full 20th. year ago. Yeah. 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 If they had that closer, I would go once a week, a couple times a month. I mean it's a fun great as hell. Social activity. You can go drink some beers, eat some food, hit some balls. Do you I, go uh, all the time or is it mostly just for the course? I mean back last year when you came to visit and we went out there, I was going there once a week probably. We had like guy night where we'd go out there on Thursdays and get dinner and hit some balls, but I don't go there very often anymore. Just, I mean, granted my schedule was a lot more uh, open in 2020 than it is now. So I found myself yeah. out there a lot more. I love yeah. going to Top Golf. It, it it's fun, especially when you get people that are like non golfers, and you can convince them to go. And the, I feel like it's a good balance of golf and you know just fun. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys cook a lot at home? A couple times a week, probably. Uh, Sonella works a lot like I do, so we're guilty of ordering probably more than we should, but uh, we do cook. We make tacos. Is that, um, I was just going to say, do you have a go-to dish? Yeah, we'll talk like tacos or barbecue usually, and then if we're like ordering, we'll get sushi or whatever. Uh, who's your favorite remixer or producer? You can name a couple if you need to. That was tricky. Um, I always was a fan of DeVille just because I felt like him and I had very similar taste. Like when I would hear his work, it was usually aligned with how I would have done it myself. And even like super early on when I was doing stuff for Crack for DJs or any of those random websites, it seemed like some of the stuff that I made, he also had made, even like we weren't biting each other. We just had like the same mindset when songs would come out. So I've always been a fan of DeVille. He does good stuff. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so here's a question that we uh, decided to add, and especially with you, we thought this one would be great. What's a popular song that DJs might be playing that makes you cringe and that you would hate to play? It could be multiple songs, but just songs that you're absolutely over playing in the bar or club. I mean, I don't really know because I haven't played in a club for almost two years, but and I've been lucky because I don't have to really listen to pop like I used to when I was DJing all the time I would have to stay up on all the new music but I'm sure there's some super cringy songs that you guys have to play at the club these days well even back then right so I, I do way too many weddings. I mean it's like the, the call me maybe the Gangnam style yeah. all that shit but at the same time, like those worked and you would get a reaction so you kind of wanted to play them even though it wasn't your first pick right I mean, yeah. it's like any huge single, you're going to play it because it's going to get a reaction. I think that's one of the things that, for me about DJing is I no longer hear music. I just hear if it gives me a two-minute break into what's the next song I get to play, right? So exactly right. what you're saying. If it works, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. Here's your song. Yeah. But what is a song that's super popular right now that you don't want to play when you're at the club? I, uh, I think... I. For me, I was going for super cringy. Uh, play that funky music, white boy is like nails on a chalkboard. For yeah, me. but like I'm just not gonna play that. Right? <laughs> no, right? that's what I mean. That yeah. I think that was kind of where the question was going. Is if you have a song that you hate, what's your your hate song? 
I'll tell you, mine yeah. is Shania Twain, Man, I Feel Like a Woman, and I play it, and I fucking hate myself every time I play it. Like, I hate myself this much more every time I play it. And there it works, it and it works, but I fucking hate it. Like, I don't like Mamba number five, but that's Drew's jam. So I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> oh, you know I'll take it. I don't care. I, I, good story is I remember I was up, and I think it was your birthday party, or it was one of the parties I played up in slow. And uh, at one point, we had, we had been drinking, and I dropped Mambo number five, and you and Soul come running up to the dance floor, going, "What the fuck?" And what are and you it was doing? Just working, I'm sure. It was and, every, and it was crushing, and and you're like, "Oh man, I thought I was gonna have to pull you," and I'm going, "No, look, everyone's dancing." <laughs> Oh, you would never get pulled, Papa. You know that. <laughs> I know, but I was definitely pushing some boundaries, having some fun with you guys. I mean, that's, that's the idea. That's what we want. What is one of your most memorable nights in the DJ booth? Probably when Drew almost got pulled for playing Mama Number 5. <laughs> <laughs> Best answer ever. <laughs> Which no, spot was it at? I was, it was at Mother's. Okay, um, okay. I was thinking about that, and it would have to be like all those times that you would come up and play. Did you play at Mother's, Fuse? I didn't play at Mother's. We played at the library together, which okay. was just a little tiny spot. Yeah, it was right next open. Yeah. It was only next like a store, Tuesday yeah. that I was up there. It was like right. a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, my favorite nights... Obviously, when you guys come into town or any friends visit and we can go play together, because being in slow, I mean, I have my homies that live around here, but it's always fun getting people to come visit and play and experience the normal spots that I was doing. Um, Kevin played up there a couple times too, right? Yeah. So Kevin came, Kevin and Jason came out for my birthday. That was like 2010 or something. It was a long time ago. That was a super fun night. There was plenty of memorable nights like mothers is was my home base for majority of my time DJing and we had a lot of fun there it was cool because there was that spot slow brew that was right behind it where I used to play on Friday nights also and it was dope because it was a concert venue and then a late night spot after the concert so when I would go to work on Fridays it was always something new you would be playing after a band or a reggae artist or something random but there was always dope people coming through also like i remember yellow card played there and snoop dog played there and bone thugs played there you know too short e40 all those guys would come through and occasionally they would hang out afterwards or i would be at mother's and they would go you know bar hopping and, and cruise around so there was some dope nights where i think artists you had a, a snoop iphone drop at one point right yeah it was like a voice memo on my phone or something i opened yeah. or no i I don't remember if I opened, but I remember closing after him and we were like in the green room and he was like, what up, nephew? You want to hit this blunt or something? <laughs> and I was like, I'm good on that, but can you give me a drop real quick? And I just like pulled up my phone and put it in his face and he was totally cool about it. So that was, uh, that was a memorable night for sure. If you had a piece of advice that you would know now, what would you tell yourself back when you first started DJing? Probably travel more maybe network more i was kind of pretty stationary when i was djing like i i had a good schedule here locally so it didn't force me to travel and kind of hustle as much as i should have i just got comfortable i guess um 
which was great because I was, you know, spinning three to five nights a week locally and it kept me busy. But looking back, I'd probably try and travel a little bit more, do what you guys are doing, bounce around. But even now, I mean, it took me years to do that. You know, I was still mostly doing exactly the same as you, just staying fairly local. Also, you you guys both kind of had the same thing as me. Like Fuse was locked in in Cincinnati playing at all the best spots and had the best the best nights at every club and drew had a ton of opportunities where he was living managing all those spots and booking djs it's easy to get comfortable doing that you know totally if you guys want to take a small vacation i'm going out to play with drew in january 13th through the 17th that weekend so i'll be out there we're gonna do a couple different spots um we can tell you more about it later yeah i'd love to come down there are you playing at that spot in orange drew yeah, we're, well, we're doing heat uh, on Saturday, the fifteenth. Yeah, yeah uh, we're st- we're still rounding out the the schedule, but should I bring some Sacagawea coins and come down there? <laughs> I don't know if I know the story, so you might have to tell it. I'll tell the Sacagawea story uh, for my fortieth birthday. I've always had this dream, and it's the dumbest dream on planet Earth. I wanted to basically go out to a really expensive dinner and only spend dollar coins, Sacagawea coins uh, and, and like tip everybody. And, you know, I have a whole, this is the last roll that I still had. I just found it and it's all dollar coins. So we went out, we went out to, I like a how they're, just arm, they're just within arm's reach at all times. <laughs> well, at one point I had so many of them everywhere. I had, I had a bag of them at the house left over from your party. <laughs> My wife, basically we went and got, I think she was, bought like $600 in dollar Sacagawea coins. And so we went out to, we went to a nice restaurant. I got a, a limo bus and we paid for everything in Sacagawea coins. And it was pretty fucking fun. <laughs> that was like 40th birthday. The bartenders were getting so pissed off. They didn't even want to take our order because they would give you the credit card tray with a, a bill on it or whatever. And I would just like throw 18 <laughs> fucking coins on it. And they were getting so pissed off. I had a, I had a knapsack. It was just filled in dollar coins. And so I'd, I'd have someone pull it off and grab a handful and that was how they would pay. So that might be one of the best things that I've ever heard for a birthday. That's so amazing. So good. I mean, like I can see why they'd be pissed, but God, it's so funny. Like you would, ha- I, if it was me, I would have to laugh because I'd, I'd be like, you know what? This is amazing. And well, they're, they're pretty much out of circulation, right? So one, they, everyone thinks they're fake. That's the problem. But uh, <laughs> they don't really have a drawer for them or anything. I, I don't know. It's like a gold coin. It just was making yeah. it made I, me the, laugh. The parking garage up in Mount Adams where I used to play at the pavilion all the time, it would cost $2 to park in the garage up there. And if you put like a $10 or a $5 bill in, they would hit you back and suck a Jawea coin. So I had a stash in my car of them too. And the, the best part bring was... Them, bring them with you when you come and we'll go out drinking. <laughs> The best part was the coin slot on their machine was broken, so you couldn't even pay for it in them. It was like they were trying to get it. Yeah, you could only get change. You couldn't give it back to them. That's right. Yeah. I remember calling Donk and going, hey, dude, it's my birthday. If you if if you're bored, you want to roll through. We're we're wearing suits and we're going out spending Sacagawea coins. He's like, I'm there. I'm on my way. (laughs) That's so good. 
It was it was funny. <laughs> that kind of rounds out our uh, rapid fire questions that weren't so rapid fire, but a lot of funny stories. And that story is just amazing right there. But uh, we're going to get into our, our top five Serato played. And we know you haven't been DJing, but we know you got a play count still. So we still want to talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah, right, dude. I don't have a play count. I went, still- you asked for that, and I went and looked at my Serato, and it's like version 2.02. It doesn't have play count. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh I've always just found a version that works and then never update until I have to update. Yeah. And so that's where I was at. But I did go through and grab like I looked through the last like 10 sets I played or whatever, and I grabbed everything that I remember playing frequently. I have a couple originals that I know I played like I had to play almost every night, and then a bunch of bootlegs that I was playing in heavy rotation. The first one is Kanye, Good Life, the original. Or actually, it's the video version that like drops in differently, where it's like, welcome to the good life, like right from the jump. I play that a lot. Next episode, C-Flow, hold up, first edit. I play that a lot. Hollow Boys, show me love in the club, obviously. Um, well, real quick, back on that C-Flow, that, that next episode uh, edit, he he added the like the heartbeat to keep it going, right. where it drops in and says, yeah, it's the uh, only one to play. smoke weed every day, yeah, and, so and it's perfect. It's an eight-bar intro, and then it's just Nate Dogg, hold up, and then it goes into like the outro, and then it yeah. goes back to the first verse if you want to let it go back, but if you just want to play like the part that everybody knows, you can just play it and be in and out in 30 seconds. You know? I, I love that. edit. I played it the other day. I, I, I need to make a clean version of it for my weddings because th- that would be better to play. What was number three? Uh, Hollow Boys, Show Me Love in the Club. So that was what, Vice and Echo? Yeah. You sent. Um, That's a good one. I still play that every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of playing it probably more than I should, but I felt like it's just one of those fillers in like the 90 BPM range that just gets you yeah on onto the next one. You made a you made a great edit of that intro into the 50 Cent, and I play that almost every night. Yeah, cool. that's that's what I play is the dunk dunk that edit dunk made. I think all I did was put an intro on it because the original is just like a scratch break in get your damn hands up. Right, but I feel like you chopped out the. Oh, I took out the ice cube. cube. Yeah, Yeah. I think I did take out the ice cube. Because it just—that's what me and uh, Seaflow and I called de-hyping, where you take like (laughs) half of the hype out, so it's like a little more tolerable, you know. (laughs) De-dropping. We're de-dropping a bunch of stuff, taking out drops. Uh, and then as far as bootlegs, I'm just gonna rattle through these, and if you want me to touch on any of them, let me know. Two chains versus Bass Jacker's Birthday Chant. That's a beat breaker edit. Fat Joe all the way up. Miles Medina bootleg. Baja Men versus ASAP Ferg. Work the dogs out. Seaflow edit. Wow. <laughs> have you ever heard that? That's so good. That's amazing. I can't believe you guys didn't have that. It's from 2014. I don't. I don't. Uh, one of my favorite Seaflow edits is where he uh, did the uh, French Montana pop that, and it was just the work remix, but it was just Rick Ross going, work, 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 <laughs> work for like the rest of the song. <laughs> that reminds me of the, the Brett B. Mall. Yes, oh, I was going to say that. 
That's so good. That's so good. I um, love those little crowd trolls. Uh, the the most recent crowd troll that I've been doing, and I don't do it anymore because the song's kind of like whatever anymore, and I try not to play it. Is the Megan the Stallion the body? So when she's like body adi adi adi, I just loop the adi adi adi, and I just keep looping it until people like are like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> so that was. Baja Man, OT Genesis, Coco Rock, which is like a Mac J edit. Da Baby versus Ramones, Blixkrig Bop, which was, that was like one of the last edits I put up on DMS, I think. Sweet Dreams, Mac J, Sugar, We're Going Down, Jason John I, Bootleg, I Love Sax. That was an edit I did, which was Iconopop versus Laidback Luke. I got your last, last resort, Fuse Mania, Frankenstein edit up in here. Oh, I, I was playing that a lot. I mean, I went, I feel like in 2019 and early 2020, I was playing like a bunch of that pop rock stuff, like Sugar We're Going Down, Ocean Ave, Big Last right Resort, now. all that stuff. That's yeah. like, that's what was cracking the most when I was playing gigs back then. Now that's it sounds so like it's like 2010s EDM is like banging right now. That that pop rock set still crushes for me at weddings, but that yeah. two, you know, what was the biggest this past weekend for me was the progressive house, uh, you know, like calling. That's what I'm talking about, like calling and reload and all that stuff. <clears throat> Don't worry, child. All that just progressive house, titanium, any of the big sing-alongs with that melodic that drop was 30, 40 plus minutes of my wedding this past weekend. All hook, hook and drop, hook and drop. Right. Do you, are you playing that stuff, Fuse? Yeah, uh, kind of the same way when I play it. Like, I'll play, like, Clarity, Titanium. What's another one? Uh, well, right in that pocket is the new Shouse that we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. That one That's... with the auto nose, so good. Jason B made, like, a Frankenstein, but that I, I even have it edited that I shortened of his Frankenstein a little bit uh, that I've been playing. So, yeah. You had a good auto nose edit, didn't you, Doc? I felt like I used to play that. Sometimes I kind of forget about this. Another and... one I had on the list was the... G-E-Z versus Kung's Me, Myself, and This Girl. I played oh, I yeah. that one a lot, too. That one's great. I played that one a lot, too. I still play that one. I mean, it's a good for that 115 to 120 pocket. There's it's never still, enough songs to put in that pocket right I there. I was just going to say that. It's still so hard to find songs to skip through that, like, yeah. that 100 to 120. Like, I mean, there are songs, and I get it. We could play Usher. Yeah, we could play. We can play Promiscuous Girl or whatever. The yeah, way I are. Hollaback Girl. I could play all those songs, and I know they all work. I just rather not. I don't the problem know. is there's only ten of them, so you're playing the same ten in that spot every night. Yeah. Or you just play a transition. Up. You know what song that uh, Drew I wanted to talk about, that, and I meant to text you about, is uh, the Tiesto. I like us better when we're wasted. That like song. Matthew Coma and Tiesto. Yes, yes. I got a request for that the other night. I'm like, I played it and it like kind of worked, but the edit I had just sucked. So I need to re. I think it could work if it's just uh basically like a hook and drop only. I have a, a Drew Pierce bootleg. I don't know what it oh, into it. Shit. But... Exclusive <laughs> VIP. Added in. Is it dehyped already, or do you need to touch it up a bit? <laughs> it's added in january 2015 so is that, that, that era... old i thought it was not that old but i guess time just flies these days well that era i was doing american junkie the house room and so i was just looking for anything sing along in house you had to keep their attention it was 
three and a half, three hours, and it was bangers. And because the bar was right outside the door, so I would always, you know, if you weren't didn't just we play that room, room together one night? I like played in the house room, and you played in the other room or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did the the whole night, right? Yeah. Was it a Thursday or a a weekend? I don't remember. Probably a weekend, but I don't know. I just remember you. It was like before house was. I mean, I wasn't prepared to play four hours of it, but you were like, "Here, here's what I played last time," and then I just went through and built the crate and just ran through it. You know? Yeah, you crushed that night. I remember. That was a fun so, spot. Did you and Seaflo grow up together, or Seaflo lived out there for a brief moment or time, or? So it was either 2006 or 2007. I think I had just graduated high school and I was selling my SL1 box because I had just bought a 57 and that's why I Googled it earlier because I saw your preliminary list of questions and I was trying to figure that out. And I had bought a 57 and I so I put my SL1 on Craigslist, which was also like a new thing at the time. And he hit me up and was like, hey, can I come buy that right now? I'm in slow. And that's how I met him. And we just kind of stayed in touch. Uh, he had just moved to slow like that week to go to Cal Poly. So maybe I was still in high school because he's a couple years older than me. But I don't know. Um, it was around that time. And we just stayed in touch. And he was working with a company in town and was doing a bunch of mobile and club stuff. And he reached out to me and was like, oh, you want to do this gig? Like we're short on DJs. And he like circled me in and I was like 19 at the time, I guess when I started DJing with him. And then we were just hanging out on the, on during the week cause we didn't have day jobs at the time. And he was the one that put me on to making edits. He was up on, I think it was Apple software called like soundtrack pro. And we were making like super janky edits, but he had been making them since high school. I think the, hmm. I don't know if you've ever come across a, Chext edit, C H E X T. It stood for uh, stood for Coleman Howard Extended, and it was like yeah. intro outro edits that he made in high school. So That's I remember when I met him, he laced me with like a USB drive with fifty of them on there. And when I played him, I was like, "Oh my god, my gig was so easy! I had all these intros." And so he started showing me how to do it and. That's really how I got started editing was him and I just fucking around making stupid mashups. And then how long did it take before you got Ableton and you guys started figuring that stuff out? If I mean, that was probably 08, 09, I would imagine. Yeah, it had to have been. And then I think I was doing it for like a year. And once I learned how to edit and became like a little more efficient at it, that's just what I would do. I would be walking through the grocery store and hear a song and be like, I don't think I have an edit of this. And I would go home and make an edit of it. And then I just yeah. kind of compiled, you know, a few hundred of those would share them with all my DJ buddies. And then I think somebody said, why don't you just send them to the record pools? They'll probably post that stuff. And I sent out like media fire download links to all the pools. And I think, <laughs> I think DMS was one of the only people that even hit me back and it was Jason and, Someone said like, hey, there's like 20 of your edits up on the DMS homepage. And Jason like hit me up and was like basically my point of contact at DMS at that time. And so I would just, we set up a Dropbox folder or something and I would just lace them up with files. And then eventually after, uh, I don't know, a year or so of that, I joined the team and started doing it for them as like a paid I partner. 
I remember, I want to say I talked to Jason recently and he brought this story up and his, one of his favorite edits that are not favorite edits, but one of the edits that you did that really caught his attention was Dr. Dre, let it ride. And oh, really? there was never an, there was never an instrumental for it. And he, he just thought you were at the time when you sent it was just so genius that you used the karaoke file to kind of make that intro and he and it blew his mind like oh my god i never thought of that you know and you were one of the first people to really send that in and it dude that edit still i think that's the only one i have you know right that yeah i don't know that if i ever got a good intro of that besides the one you did yeah i mean that was obviously having the instrumental makes it so much easier to create an edit for something but then if that's not available, I would go find a karaoke instrumental. And I think this was like before instrumental remakes were like a thing where you could go on YouTube and it says like, you know, whatever, uh, Metro Boomin type beat or whatever, yeah. you know. And then that kind of when there wasn't a karaoke instrumental or it was something brand new, because obviously when I was working for DMS, Jason would hit me with, with like 10 files on a Friday and say, here's all the new music this week. We need intros. Yeah. And so th- it would basically require me going through the file and trying to find a a kick or a snare that wasn't contaminated with vocals and then just kind of remake it. Sometimes it worked better than others, but it just kind of forced me to get creative with how I was making an instrumental or an intro or whatever, which is fun. I always liked the challenge in that, but I also liked doing the, the word plays and the transitions and that kind of shit too. You taught me a lot of those little tricks. I know when I'd come up and visit, you would be like, no, you got to just go through here. And it, uh, it forced me to start going through the file, you know, piece by piece or just looking at the actual waveform and going, oh, here's here's this snare that's still available that it has no words on it or whatever. Just yeah. piece it apart and together. Your own it intro. doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, obviously... I like it to be as clean as possible, but in all reality, no one's hearing the intro. You're just using it to time the mix properly. You know what I mean? So if it's not perfect, that's okay, as long as it serves its purpose. But you had also gotten really creative with just finding, you know, say Skrillex, finding that he, for the most part, would always use the same drums. And so you could kind of build around a dubstep track or whatever, just using a similar Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, not even a pack. Sometimes you can just take the sounds right out of a song. Um, yeah. I I forget what, it's like a Young Money song. I think it's right above it. It's like an old Lil Wayne Young Money song. And there's like some really bare bones drums and snares in there that I used for a ton of edits in like the 74, 78 BPM range. And I would just yeah. warp them and I would reuse them all the time because they were like super yeah. clean. And there was no melody on it or anything. It was just a dry kick and bass line and snare. So, but now there's all these tools like Splice and these sample packs that you can get that would probably make it so much easier than it was 10 years ago when we were doing this. Oh, yeah. I use yeah. Splice all the time still. If I need like a little sweeper or even if I'm making like a bootleg and I'm kind of like, you know what? This build is kind of weird. I could probably build one real quick that sounds a little better. I'll go in there and just kind of reconstruct it a little bit, you know? Yeah, uh, that's great. My subscription just renewed for Splice, so I need to go on there. <laughs> I think I just paid for, I don't know what I just paid for, but no, it's great. They they have 
so many tools and so many tons and tons and tons of options. Maybe they'll pay us since we mentioned it. <laughs> this episode uh, right, is quick. brought to you by Splice. <laughs> so we just talked a little bit about your connection with Seaflow, and you have so many great stories with him. And I think that maybe we should even use uh, you dressed as Seaflow for the album art for the show. Uh, your Halloween costume. I think that would be a, a big hit. But um, let's talk about another person you're, you've been connected with, and that's Mac J. So you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that, how that relationship started? Yeah, McKinsey, he's a good friend of mine. Um, I met him probably shortly after meeting Seaflow, I want to say. I think he hit me up with a MySpace message is like how he reached out to me, which at the time was like a thing. Yeah, and he was like interested in learning about DJing, and I think I sold him a couple of old turntables and a mixer because it was it must have just been after I had got my 57 and I had like probably some shitty three channel Newmark mixer sitting in my room uh, and some like Stanton turntables. He bought that and he started learning how to DJ and kind of went the same route I did early on as far as like doing the fraternity sorority exchanges. We live in a college town so there's no shortage of college events to do. And then he kind of took a left turn and started getting deep into the production and obviously it worked out really well for him. So yeah, he's uh, made a great career out of, out of music and DJing. So it's cool to see. He just texted me when we got on the call and asked, what is the best record to play at a strip club? So I don't know <laughs> what he's doing right now, but something <laughs> fun. I mean, wouldn't it be the obvious bands that make her dance? <laughs> yeah, bands that make her dance are like pour some sugar on me. All the cliche strip club songs. Pony. Pony. Yeah. Yep. All right, I'll hit him with a list. We'll see. We'll see what he's working on. <laughs> I feel like every time I play Pony at a wedding, instantly somebody breaks out the chair and starts grinding on yeah, one or the other. Say, right? Somebody busts out a chair. Somebody busts out a chair. The guy's grinding on the girl, or the girl's grinding on the guy. Or everyone takes turn on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Are you still doing the NFL theme song football toss? I I just pitched it to somebody recently, but I don't sell it as much uh, that I, I used to. But it, it works from time to time. It's funny that you say that because nowadays I feel that I've completely stopped doing bouquet and garter. If we do it at all, it's just the bouquet. Due to COVID? Garter's just weird, bro. You're giving away the girl's panties to the, your boy. I don't know. Everything about it's weird to me. Yeah, know? I agree. So weird. Hey, let's take it off and throw her panties. Like it's her lingerie. I know it's not her panties, but throw then, it like, over mom to and dad are there, and they're like, yeah, he's totally. underneath the thing. So everyone just is like, that's oh, cringy that we stopped doing it. Yeah, but the girls, the girls love to fight over that dumb bouquet. So bouquets it is uh so one of the things we really haven't talked about yet and i'm sure a lot of people want to hear about is kind of club canon that's your thing and if you want to kind of start and maybe drew you know a lot of the story too and i know a lot of the story but if you guys kind of want to share how you know your guys's relationship started and club canon and all that yeah well i'll let you go pat but for the most part you know i i just know that we've you know, been friends through DMS and I would just go up there and play and really hang out. It wasn't even about playing half the time. I was just going to hang out for a weekend. Next thing I know, you're starting to create this, this new amazing product that I don't know either one of us really realized what it was going to become. 
Yeah, I mean, it was totally just, it started out as something for myself to use at my shows. And then you wanted one, Jason wanted one, Soul wanted one, all my friends wanted one, and then their friends wanted one. So it turned into this, I mean, it was accidental, if we're being honest. Uh, I didn't go into it with the intentions of starting a company or doing it full time. I certainly didn't think I would be doing it how we're doing it now. But uh, yeah, it was all pretty organic and it seems to have become sort of a popular choice for DJs, nightclubs, and it evolved further than the DJ scene. You know, now we serve a lot of sports franchises and theme parks and stuff outside the music industry, but it's all, you know, related to entertainment. Can you mention some of the uh, touring artists that use Club Cannon products? Uh, off the top of my head, I would have to look, but um, we've been lucky enough to serve some big tours like Lil Baby, Trippy Red. There was like a Game of Thrones concert tour experience that they did that we provided all the co2 for that yeah i mean there's there's quite a few of them i don't really remember off the top of my head and most of the time a lot of our customers are production companies so i don't always know where the stuff is going but i we just sent out a bunch of stuff for the drake and kanye show at the la coliseum this week so that'll be cool yeah i didn't even know that's how little i'm paying attention to the news i didn't even realize they were doing the show or they were they were friendly anymore yeah, so apparently they're friends again, and they're doing like a combo show at the Coliseum. I think it's tomorrow because we sent the stuff out last week, and they were—I heard—they're building some crazy stage in the middle of the Coliseum that required everything on site a week ahead of time. I'll never forget when uh, Chester from Lincoln Park passed away. I learned from Donk because you were doing their uh, Lincoln Park's uh, their tour. Yeah, that was a sad one. That was super bummer because i remember we got the order for a bunch of stuff last minute and i stayed here late one night to get everything boxed up because they had to have it the following morning or something there was something goofy and we got everything ready and we were waiting for the ups guy to show up the next morning and i got a phone call and they're like hey we need to cancel that order i didn't know who it was for when we sold it but i asked and he said oh just look at the news like I don't know if it's out there yet, but we just got word that this tour is going to be canceled. Um, so if you can not ship that stuff and we'll settle up later. And so I obviously went and I don't even think TMZ had the, the article up yet, but it was moments later that we found out. So that was a bummer. But well, I'd love to rewind just a little bit and talk about some of the early days and, you know, just how what how you transition from just doing basically a handheld gun for DJs into some of these now massive jets that you know your huge stadiums and giant tours are doing which is more of what you're focused on now and yeah that's fair um obviously it started with the handheld it's the the easiest to use it's the most affordable it's probably the most popular product just because it's uh, an easy thing for a DJ to grab and take to the club with them or take to the wedding and sell the package to the bride and groom. But shortly after we started moving a lot of handhelds, people would ask like, Hey, do you have any stationary products that, you know, we want to just press a button and have them shoot from the ceiling or whatever. So I had very little experience with electronics and circuit board design and DMX protocols and all the stuff that's required for developing a product like that. So I reached out to 
a company called Doug Cleaner Design, who is about 10 minutes from us. I went to high school with Doug Cleaner's daughter, and he's one of the inventors of the DMX protocol, and they make a ton of specialty products. And I just reached out to him and said, hey, we're interested in making a product from the ground up that you know would require all this technology that you guys specialize in. Would you be able to help us out? And surprisingly, he was totally willing, and we spent a bunch of time figuring out what what we needed to do. We did a lot of trial and error testing components and it was all new to me at the time, but with their help, uh, it helped me learn the ins and outs of making a product from scratch, you know, considering the fabrication that's required for uh, all the sheet metal work and the electronics and the components and the nuts and bolts and the packaging, all the stuff you don't think about when you buy a product, like you go buy a cell phone, somebody had to figure out the box that it goes in and the plastic wrap and right. the the label on the box and all of that. So that was the first product we did. And then it became, well, I mean, I don't know how much experience you guys have with DMX control, but most people it goes over their head uh, and there was no convenient way to just trigger a CO2 jet. So I talked to a friend of mine, Alex, and I said, let's just make a button that when you press it, it sends out the DMX signal and it's super easy. You don't need to learn how to program anything. You don't need to fiddle with any up faders or computer software. It's literally just a button. So we may see that, that button everywhere now. Oh yeah. So dope. You know, I see it in all my DJ's feeds. It'll be a, like a close up of the button and then, you know, the CO2 going off. And I like how that's evolved as well, but sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> yeah. So that was just the big red button. And then that evolved into a four button controller where you could, you know, trigger your jets at different times or trigger your jets and your confetti separately. And then that evolved into, I wish there was a way to know how much CO2 is left in your tank right? Because that's the biggest problem with using CO2 effects. You never know your tank level, especially with the handheld. I mean, you use it regularly. You know, it's always a guessing game when the tank's going to run out. That's so, the number one question is how, how long does it last? And I go, well, it depends if you're a crazy person and just hold it down, you know, or you right. know how to maybe pump it and make it last a little bit longer. Yep. In 2018, we introduced a product that has a function where you program in the size of your tank, how many tanks you have hooked up, how many jets you have hooked up, and it gives you a runtime. And as you're using it throughout the night, it'll tell you how much CO2 is left in your tank, uh, which became invaluable. Like I was using it at Mother's and it was the most useful thing ever because I could show up on Saturday not knowing how much CO2 was used Friday night if I need to change the tank or not. But now with this product, I could just turn it on when I get there and say, oh, there's 38 seconds left in this tank. I don't need to change it or I don't need to change it until later in the night. So it evolved into that. <clears throat> and then this year, well, during COVID, we had so much free time to spend working on new products and new ideas. We took that concept and integrated it into the big red button. So now the big red button has a screen in the middle of it that can do all sorts of fancy stuff. So it'll tell you how much CO2 you have left. It'll display a word. It can light up any color you want. You can adjust what DMX channels are being sent. So it's a pretty advanced product for just being one button. And then obviously we have the Showmaster controller, which is basically a full-fledged console for triggering all sorts of 
special effects products. And that thing is incredible. Uh, I've seen it up close. Uh, that It's a beast. And you really designed and created it all from scratch. Yeah, I mean, we spent pretty much all of 2020 developing that product and we did it all in-house. So we're pretty stoked on how it came out considering, you know, the chassis design, the interface, the touchscreen, the buttons, everything was pretty much customized to how we wanted it. There wasn't I mean, there is nothing on the market that does what that product does. So a lot of the components we had to have made for us because there was nothing that did what we wanted it to do. We spent a lot of time on that and we're pretty excited to start getting it out in the wild. It's awesome. It's, it's barely hitting market right now, right? I was just going to say, you just did a show or something like a trade show or something I saw yet. Yeah. So we released that product in the middle of September and it's we sold our entire inventory in like the first two weeks and so we're still working on restocking it we're going to have more available next week but uh with all the supply chain issues keeping stuff in stock is harder than it's ever been totally one thing i wanted to ask you and you can see if anybody's watching this on youtube you can see i've got a club cannon shirt on and this was the original logo and drew's got a club cannon hat on that was the original logo and now you guys are both wearing uh, shirts that's the 2.0. And yeah. uh, so you went through a big rebranding process where you rebranded all of your products and your logo, the website, everything. You know, we see from time to time when DJs rebrand themselves, you know, they change a DJ name. Can you just go over a little bit about that process and why why you did it and how you kind of went about it and why it was for a positive for you? It's definitely a big undertaking to do a rebranding. We even threw around the idea of changing the company name at the same time, which that's a big pill to swallow, right? Because you have the the recognition of Club Cannon and we have this customer base changing the name would be probably pretty bold. It's tricky because the, the name Club Cannon came about from our first product you know, being used in a club and it obviously evolved much past that single product. The name just kind of stuck. That doesn't really represent what we're doing these days, but it has that recognition because we've been doing it for the better part of 10 years now. But the rebranding came about just because we were seeing a lot of imitation, counterfeit, fake products that were kind of knocking off our logo. And the old logo, as you see, has the handheld product and the big plume when our product offerings are much more than that now. Or in 2018, when we did the rebranding, it was controllers, it was stationary products, it was handheld, it was more than just one product. Uh, that was kind of the reasoning behind it. And obviously it was a big undertaking, changing the logo, changing all the silk screen on the products, redoing the entire website, all your printed materials need to change, all your social media stuff needs to change. I definitely think it was worthwhile because now it's a little more bold than it was before and a little more recognizable, I feel like. Well, 100%. I mean, you have the color. I talk with branding people all the time, you know, that that color, which that bright green, you know, nothing's really, it's very recognizable right out the gate. The logo itself is, is recognizable. I think it fits in social media and just that kind of, you know, circle that we're going for avatar wise all the time, a lot better. But I like what you did with it. I think it, ended up being a, a great thing have you yeah. seen a lot of positive from from it 
I mean, it's hard to credit the rebranding to anything in particular, but I mean, the company has only grown since we did the rebranding. So it definitely didn't hurt us, I wouldn't say. Uh, and I, we got a lot of feedback after we launched it, people saying that, that they liked it. And I mean, the main thing that was more important to me more than changing the logo or the colors was we redid the whole website, like from the ground up, we had the, we had it designed by a professional company. We had it coded specifically for us. We weren't shopping for preset themes on whatever wordpressthemes.com. We, we wanted something that was geared specifically for us, for our customers, for our product offerings and being able to best serve the customer. Um, so that was the most important thing for me is giving the customer a good shopping experience on our website. And I think we accomplished that with, with the new site that we launched. Something I'd like to ask is in this process, is there something you could recommend to somebody to, to look out for or to just be aware of as they're, you know, if they decide to go through a rebrand or something they're looking for in a logo or color wise or anything that you would recommend to, you know, just DJs on that helps stick out or helps you stand out something that in this process, you've really <laughs> it made you, you know, you were, you were going through all these different ideas, right? People sending you, different logo templates and ideas. What, right. what would you say down the road was really what stuck out looking back on it? The one thing that was really important to me when we did the whole package and it was written into one of the requirements when we basically shopped it out, but we wanted a, a refresh to the logo and we wanted an icon. Uh, and I think an icon is really important, especially now with all, like you said, the social media, the circle profile picture, you need to have something that you can use in a square aspect ratio so that you can use it in those, you know, your avatar on Instagram or whatever. And I think it gives you better placement for like apparel. Like if you look on the sweatshirt that you're, you're wearing, I think, I don't know if I have it, but you have the chest icon and then you have the shoulder icon or text logo. I just like having more than one layout, obviously, the text logo is thin and long, so it's not going to look good when you go try and set your Instagram profile picture to your logo. You're not even going to be able to see it. So, right. Like this logo, trying to cram this into that Instagram right. was probably difficult. Yeah. I've so, been thinking about doing something a little different lately, but I just don't know the direction I want to go. So this is all interesting to me hearing you kind of talk about all of it. Yeah. So I think having an icon is important. Another thing that's not as crucial, but be aware when you're creating a logo, how many colors you're using, just because when it's time to go make your t-shirts, if you have six colors in your logo and you find out you have to get a separate screen made in this, an ink change and a separate pass. And now those t-shirts are going to cost you five times more than they would if it was a one or two color logo. So I would highly recommend working with, a professional that does branding stuff and they can give you a branding guide with all your hex colors and your placement. Like if you look at a real branding guide, it'll tell you which logo to use on a white background, which logo to use on a black background, what not to do with your logo. Don't skew the logo. If you're going to put our logo, make sure that the red color is this hex code. So everything stays consistent and professional because fonts, I mean, Fonts, right. all of that, it's all tied to you. So you want it to be the best it can be. You don't want to skimp on your branding for sure. 
And with the website, what are maybe some, you know, learning that you've had along the years? Is there any any tips on the website? Not really. Like tips on managing a website, you mean? I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I feel your website's super clean. It, it's a little bit different than what a DJ is going to go. I guess I'm just saying, yeah, clean, clean wise and exactly. I mean, less is more, I would say. I mean, look at Apple. It's like there's an Apple logo on a completely white box and it, everybody knows what it is. Right. Exactly. No, I think that's great. I think... I think the new logo and everything that you've done with it is is awesome and all the products you guys have rolled out are great. You know, we have the the new button at the club. We have How's that working out? It's good. It's good. We uh I see it in your 360 videos. I can just see like a flashing rainbow sitting next to your turntables. Yeah. The the jets are great. They shoot it's so far they shoot, you know, out in the crowd. So it's pretty cool. Like people standing like in the back of the room or getting hit by it too. And sometimes when we get some videos from back there, it's like you really get the full experience of it. Or you and can you can feel the, the whole temperature change in the room probably when that comes through. Yeah. It's pretty neat. It's funny, like some people I can always tell when people have never been to the club too, or like first timers because it goes off for the first time of the night. They're like you yeah. know, it's like over their heads. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But. but as a DJ, like I remember we put a four jet system in at Mother's. And it after we installed that, I only wanted to DJ at places that had CO2 systems. Because like it adds that wow factor. And it just, I mean, it really makes you look better when you're DJing, right? Yeah, uh, it adds to the show. So I remember playing gigs after that and like it didn't have CO2. And it's just one of those things that I always want at my gig after having it. You know, some people might clown on it and say it's cheesy. And, you know, I've heard plenty of podcasts where people refer to the cryo as and confetti as, you know, cheesy. But I think we can all agree it definitely improves the experience for the, the club goers, which is the goal, right? I 100% agree. I think that if you're in a big club and you don't have it, I just think that why would you not? You know, it adds so much. And not only that, like if it is getting hot in the room or if it's a summer day and it's functional too, because it cools everything down for a few minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're in a room that having a hard time, you know, getting them going and you start playing a little more up tempo and, you know, you hit them with the, the CO2. It's like, it's just that extra oomph to like get those songs to go over too. Oh, you know, sure. it, it adds value. Anything that adds value to the night is worth having. Absolutely. We sell it. We sell it well for my weddings. I mean, I, I ended up buying four 50 pound tanks. I have two 25 pound tanks. If a couple is cool, we'll bring out a 25 pound tank just to hype up hype up the room. It's It always adds so much. There's a lot of times I'll just throw it in for free if they've already added on a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of stuff. customers say that they use it as just like a bonus when someone's buying a big package. They just throw it in as a courtesy and it takes the, the show to a whole new level. It definitely helps. I mean, like hip hop songs, when you got like a little, like a vocal break or something, like, uh, like Cardi B, the up. What's my favorite word? Yeah, yeah, anything, anything like I've that. I've never anything. used it. I've never used it like that, but that's cool. Yeah, so we'll do. That. We'll do we'll do like little breaks like that at the especially if it's a night I feel like at the club where like uh you know we just have some nights where like the up tempo stuff doesn't go as over as well so I'm playing a little more hip hop 
we'll get a little more creative with how we're using it. And it's still, it's still good. You know, like it's still adding value to the night. I wouldn't know what to do at the club. If we didn't have it, the, the effects wouldn't be as good. You know, it's like, it's like a complete thing. It's like a finishing, you know, now, now if you went and DJed there and they said, Oh, we got rid of the CO2, you would feel like something's missing and you would probably be bummed. Right. Completely, completely. But what's great is it just i can't stress enough that it just adds value to the experience of the night when you can add value to the experience of the night that's how you keep people coming back it's like a no-brainer to me but it's it's hard sometimes because you really have to explain it to people because people people don't get it like owners some owners don't get it luckily i i play for a great owner right now and uh, he's a dj as well so it was totally something he wanted and always wanted so from the moment he he bought the place it could pick up any party uh question i would say this is mostly a dj podcast what are some products that DJ should be looking out for when they go check out the website and stuff maybe that you would want to push? Uh, the most common would be just the handheld MK2. That is the latest and greatest handheld product that we offer. It might look a little bit different than ones that your friends have, but uh, we basically just built a housing and chassis around it and integrated a handle. So now the operator can use two hands when they're using it. And it's a lot quieter than any any other competition I feel yeah. uh, some clubs that i play at have have some of the the knockoffs and they're they always complain the number one thing is it's so loud <laughs> yeah i mean that but, was that was one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we got from customers early on is just it's so loud um how can we make it quieter and originally we didn't have a muffler built into the barrel and when we got kept getting that feedback we said we need to figure out a way to make this quieter and more tolerable. So a lot of products on the market don't have the muffler. So it's really loud. I mean, it'll make your ears ring. Uh, so we spent a lot of time developing a system to where not only is the the noise generation reduced dramatically, but there's fresh airflow that we introduced with the CO2 to prevent any dry ice pieces from getting shot into the crowd. So Whoa. that was it, it's a small detail, but it was a lot of work to get that right. I, I definitely applaud you for it because I, I remember the transition between because I've had, I want to say, at least one of almost every iteration of this gun. So I right. have seen the progression and something else that you added over part of the time that I love is just the, the quick connect. Yeah, the quick release hose makes it a lot easier to set up and tear down it's those little things. So if they wanted to look into getting some of the jets, the stationary jets, the stationary jets, need? I would recommend the Microjet MK2. That is same jet that Fuse has in the club he's talking about, except we released an updated version a couple months ago, and it now has DMX control built right in, so you could get it and plug one of our standalone buttons right into them to trigger them. Uh, or any DMX controller, so they're pretty easy to set up and operate. We got all the all the goodies to make it happen for you. And do these need to be mounted on trussing? Can you put them on a stage? Mm-hmm. How does that work out? You can do either. So they're when you take them out of the box, they have feet on them, so you can set them on your downstage. Uh, you could, if you want to mount them on your trussing, there's two through holes to mount clamps. We offer clamps as an option. So if you want to put them up on some dressing, you can do that. If you want to fasten them to a ceiling or any solid surface, you can do that. Pretty versatile. So, but they'd be all right set on a stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 
one of the things I noticed uh, the most is when he opened the club that I play at, they already had some knockoffs there when he took over ownership. And we used those for a while when we got the club cannon. The difference in quality is night and day difference. And like I was saying earlier, the, the distance it throws and it shoots is just amazing compared to uh, the knockoff stuff. Well, that's good to hear. All built in the USA. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it, it's it's been pretty cool to, you know, I'm I'm a proud friend. I always, uh, when like people, when I'm watching like an NFL game and I see like players running out on the field, I'm like, oh, you see that? My friend makes that. <laughs> so it's always That's cool. Dope. And people are like, he makes it? Like what? And then I like have to explain and pull up the IG and show them. And like, it's pretty cool. But it is, it's been neat to see the progression, the business, you know, from where you started to what it is now and just what you've done with it and everything. I mean, it's it's awesome to see. It's like just watching your friend do something cool. I mean, I think it's awesome what you've done with it all. And the products that you're putting out are, you know, top of the line products in this industry. And it's it's cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, being my test dummies whenever I send Drew some, <laughs> some new shit. I say, hey, try this out. <laughs> well, dude, uh, just everything he said, you know, I'm always uh, look at I'm rolling deep on all my club cannon gear and I'll, I'll roll out somewhere. They're like, what is that? Are you sponsored by that? Or why are you wearing that? And I, you know, of course, have to run through the story all the time, but uh, always repping hard, especially the old school. You know, I got that throwback. That OG. I like the OG throwback. Totally. Uh, so one of the things that we've uh, been talking about too, and we've had some guys on is the thing to eat when they come to your town. Now, obviously you're out in California and we know the Mexican food is on a different level of, of good out there, but the slow is the tri-tip, right? Yeah. Most people like I can be anywhere. I could be on an airplane. I could be in Vegas. I could be in Cincinnati and someone would ask me, where are you from? I could say San Luis Obispo and they would say, oh, well, that that's where Firestone Grill is, the tri-tip sandwich. Like, it's crazy. It's happened to me so many times. I'll be having a random conversation with somebody on the other side of the country and they know about it. So yeah, tri-tip sandwiches are popular out here. I don't eat them very often, but that's just because I grew up here and probably had it 500 <laughs> times. But uh, it's probably the same way where you guys are at. Yeah, you, I've been to a couple times with you, and they are awesome. They're delicious. But I would say my number one spot when I come to visit you is we're going to uh, the sushi spot, which I don't remember the uh, name, but Goshi's. anytime that's where I want to go. That, yeah. that sushi spot is money. Yeah, that's where I'm taking anybody that's coming to visit that doesn't care about tri-tip. So where do you guys take people when they come to visit? Well, so I try to... Like with Drew, he's been here a couple times now. So I've tried to hit him with a, like a couple different things. Anytime somebody, you know, makes their way into town, I feel like it's the least I can do is make myself available to them. Like you come here, I'll drop what I'm doing for the day and I'm going to show you around because I want you to see, I like it here and I, nothing drives me nuts more is when people go, it sucks here. And I'm like, you could go anywhere and you'd probably still be miserable because you're just a miserable person. Like, <laughs> like I want to show you why I like it here. And like Drew's been here quite a, uh, what, two or three times now. And 
We've done nice. quite a few different things, but obviously we've got the Skyline Chili, and Drew only got that this time. Um, there's the Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. It's a local chain. Um, he's got four in Cincinnati. They've expanded uh, the last few years. He's got like one in Lexington now, one in Columbus, one in Nashville. That's the only place I haven't taken Drew. That's Cincinnati. We had some Grater's ice cream, which is like Oprah claims it's her favorite ice cream, and that was that was a that's a Cincinnati thing. Took him to uh, a couple local breweries. It's more just I try to take people to like the spots that I think are cool locally that I would want to hang out at because that's what makes the place unique you know like the the stuff that isn't the touristy stuff like yeah the insider scoop and i appreciate that when i go to somewhere that's why this time too because i haven't really been out to california that i didn't have something going on already that i wasn't out there for so i'm pumped to go visit with drew and the things we're going to be djing and playing some different spots and i'm just pumped to like do a day in the life of drew pierce you know if we got to eat Taco Bell, we got to eat Taco Bell one day. <laughs> no, we got to we got to spend only Sacagawea coins now. What was that trip? We went out to Vegas and we woke up. We were sharing a hotel room, and I was like, "Oh, dude, we missed our flight." And you were like, every, "Bullshit, every we Vegas missed, trip." <laughs> bullshit, we missed our flight. We're fucking going right now. We were out of the hotel room, sprinting through the lobby, got into a cab. <laughs> Then get us to the airport. Somehow we made it on flight. We got back, and I just remember we went to Taco Bell right when we got back. <laughs> Why am I being associated with Taco Bell so much? I, it's, it's only so funny. I was my Taco Bell was a little dig at, at Drew from the last episode with Audio One because they were sitting there talking about how. You know, the Mexican and tacos were amazing in California, and Drew's sitting there sipping out of a Taco Bell cup. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh, I'm getting ran under the bus here. It was, it was, I was in a rush, and I'm on, uh, I'm on the the Oprah diet. We mentioned Oprah earlier. It's season uh, five right now where I'm on the fat kid diet. And then it goes back down <laughs> skinny. So I'm, I'm jumping up and down on which, which, which season I'm in. But I'm on the fat season right now. <laughs> so Drew's gotten his taste of uh, some Cincinnati. And one, one of these days you got to come out here. But... I don't know, Drew. What are what are what's the what's the spots you would say that you like to do? What is there anything for you? Hollywood and L.A. So so random. It depends who it is, right? I try yeah. and you. Some people love the beach. Some people love the city. You know, me and my family just recently have been trying to just do touristy shit here in California. So we actually went on a TMZ tour in Hollywood, which <laughs> is one of those cheesy TMZ tours. And it was fun as hell. We just went and the lady walked around. She's like, oh, this was the club Drake goes to or this is this. And yeah, it was random and fun, you know, something different. It's a big enough city where... We can get lost at the beach. We get lost in the city. I don't. So I, it really it very depends on the person. I can't remember. Donk, is there an In-N-Out Burger by you? Yeah, all Cali. Yeah. I, do you guys? So some people, I say, people are like In-N-Out's trash. Like, and I'm like, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> and they're like, that's because you don't eat it all the time. And I'm like, maybe. I mean, people think Skyline's trash, but I eat it all the time. Drew got, I mean, Drew got it. In and out was never like it never got me super excited. I, I'll eat it, but I don't go out of my way to eat it. And that's fair. Like, but you answered that. I never got me excited from like the jump. So 
I mean, every time I drive by, I think I could I could eat a burger right now, and then I look in the drive through line is like fifty cars, and I'm like, fuck that, I'm not gonna go wait for that. I just <laughs> don't have you, the patience to to wait for it. You like a lot of Mexican food up there. You got some good spots. Oh yeah, we went to Tacos de Mexico. That's my spot. We went there last yeah. time you were here. We went and sat on the patio and had some modelos and some burritos and tacos and all that. Yeah, I've had it a couple times. It's good. I mean, there's yeah. slow has a lot of good food. My, I think it, I think every college town has good food. Honestly, you have to. I don't know what it is, but college towns always have good food. I am I'm with you though. Like my girlfriend, she loves Chick Fil A, and there's one close to the the house, but it's like the only one that's close around here. So there's always like a massive line, and I'm like, look, I know you really like this. I know you got your hopes up for it, but no food is worth waiting 35 minutes in a drive-through line for. I'm yeah. sorry. Like I, I, I really busted her, uh, her chops the other day. We were like driving. We were on a tight schedule, and I was like, "Oh, we can go get some Chick Fil A." And we got there, and I was like, "Sorry, it ain't happening." <laughs> and uh, I hated to do it. We got it. We made up for it. She got it the other night. Don't worry. Nice. I'm as not, long as it's not, not Sunday. <laughs> I've still never even had it. We it's pretty good. Really? Right I there's me. not a round at all up there. I think there's one like 30 minutes away, but. I'm not driving 30 minutes for fast food. Maybe one day if I'm passing through on a. I don't. It's not that tight, but I don't know. We have one right next next door, so I feel like I eat there way too much. I I think one of the things that I'll say about Chick Fil A, it's pretty consistent. You get it's always. I don't know about yours out there, but the ones here, you know, like the food comes looking like the picture. That's one thing I will say. That's legit. We got a couple get things here left on this list that I want to make sure we don't skip over. Uh, one we had, you know, how 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 the, how's the golf game coming? That is always evolving. I feel like I have like a really good couple weeks and then a really shitty like month. So <laughs> I was on a tear for a minute. I felt like I was getting better, and then the last like month, I just feel like I'm getting worse. You know how it is, Fuse. Yeah, you'll go out there and shoot like a couple good rounds, and you think you're like a good golfer, and then you go out the next time and shoot a hundred. For me, one of the things that changed kind of my focus play, when I play golf is my buddy Murph, which you both know, he's a pretty good golfer. He was like, "Look, you suck at golf. It just is what it is." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> but he was like, "Here's here's what you need to do." He was like, "You need to stop focusing on the game as a whole." and focus on taking good shots like individually and then go I took a lot of I had a lot of good shots today like I didn't play well as far as the score goes and once I kind of started doing that just focus on hitting good shots is when I've actually started to play better thinking about the game differently is uh, yeah you know, for sure do both of you hit the driving range a lot to you perfect know, that or I was playing in a league it's like league 20. bowling they have league golf yeah, so uh, uh, matching 20, shirts 2020. I picked up, <laughs> we know you don't have to, but that's but so I played golf for a while and then I kind of gave it up because I got so frustrated, frustrated with it. And you know, it's not an it's not a cheap sport by any means to play and to go out and suck at. For sure. I gave it up for a while and then the COVID stuff happened and it was the only thing that you could do. So I was picking it up and playing a lot more. And then towards the uh, well. Early in uh, this year, we played in a league, and so it was every Tuesday you played nine holes, and I think it was like 12 guys in this league, and then every week the foursome is different, so you're paired up with a different group. That's kind of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you get a good league, it's a lot of fun. Like if you get a fun group that everybody kind of drinks and hangs out, uh, it's the drinking. They don't have to be drinking to be fun, but you know what I mean? Like if everybody's on the same page with it, some of them you can get into one and like guys are too serious and it's just not fun. And then the other thing that sucks is if people are like are just lying about their scores too. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. Is it individual scorekeeping or is it like a scramble? Um, so the way this league did it is you played your first round and that was the handicapping week. So what sucks is a lot of guys would go out there and play shitty on purpose. Sandbag. Yeah. 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 So that sucked. But, um, all right. Quick question here. I know Donk is the only guy that will text me and say, Hey bro, why are you still rocking that old tech? I still can't hear you on your on that phone. If I decide not to buy a new iPhone, he's number one going, hey, uh, I don't know. My phone doesn't allow you to text me anymore because you're still rocking that old tech. I blame you. My wife blames you, and I blame you for all the purchases that I've been forced to make. And, uh, don't lie, dude. You're the course, first guy to text me the morning of an Apple event like, hey, do you have the stream on yet? <laughs> Uh, of course you of course you know that i'm fucking with you i i expect you to do it and i have to tell my wife hey look doc said that i gotta buy the new phone dude i can't be rocking some old ass tech so listen i gotta talk to him and if i don't have the new phone i can't talk to him i can't risk my text messages coming through green That that's a hundred percent. Everybody on the podcast can relate. Anytime we say old tech, that is, uh, I will give that to Pat. That is his, that is his line that I've stolen. What is your new tech? You are always up on game, dude. You always know the new shit. What, what is, what's some new, new tech you're, you're rocking right now. Let's, let's start Um, with the computer. I know you're not DJing, which is ironic that you're always the one that's pushing me on new tech and you're you rock a 2011 macbook air so tight yep <laughs> which which i will also preface with that's how i i first reached out to you was on twitter you you you'd posted something about a macbook air being able to dj and i think i like sent you oh, a it, private it was, I it was on the serato forums yeah, I slid into your DMs and I was like, yo, you could DJ with an air? Tell me more. And uh, that was way before we were friends, but I remember that oh, was when I first time I reached out to you. Yeah, I it wasn't even my MacBook. My brother like bought a MacBook Air. And I was like, let me see if I can put Serato on that thing. And I okay. did, and I tested it out, and it worked. And then I posted it on the forums. I was like, yeah, it works. And then like six months later, we were at P.F. Chang's in LA after going to Nam or something? This had no, to have been like this is Vegas. Oh, that was the Vegas? first DMS one. Yeah, okay. it was the first DMS okay. one ever. And you were like, oh yeah, we've talked on Serato forum DMs or something. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, to me, that 11 inch laptop, that air was the perfect Serato computer, period, because it's so fucking small. It just allowed you to do what you needed to do. It had the screen. It's like having, what's that, Denim Prime 2 or Prime Go yeah. or whatever the fuck it is. It's basically mm-hmm. a Prime Go. I, I think it's the best DJ laptop just because of the size. I don't want a 15-inch laptop in front of me, in front of a crowd. I used, to, laptop, I used to have 
a 15 inch MacBook Pro and then a 13 inch MacBook Pro. And then when I figured out that you could just get a maxed out 11 inch air for 600 bucks or whatever, um, that's the only way to roll. And I mean, ideally the Denon prime or whatever, all these new controllers are that have a computer built into them where you load your files is great, but I'm always going to have to have the keyboard because I do everything on the keyboard. Someone requests a song or I have an oh shit moment, I need to get out, I can type something in quickly and get where I need to be. I'm trying to navigate on a an all-in-one just I don't think would be the move for me. That is a 2012 MacBook Air i7, eight gigs of RAM, 512 SSD. I think I'm using, I don't know, 300 gigs or something with music, but that's- I used to DJ video with that thing. I, the, it was, it worked for everything. I. You know, but it was strictly, it's strictly a Serato computer, it just lives in my DJ bag. And once right. a week I pop it open, I have a Dropbox folder where I used to download music on like my iMac and sort through it. And I would just throw it in a Dropbox. Once a week I would pop open my DJ laptop, let it sync, and then I would just roll out to my gig. I'm just teasing you because I know you are always busting my balls on having the new latest Mac or whatever. So that's funny to me that you're still rocking of all of the things, you, you know, know, what's funny is I, of, I your, your DJ laptop is what is out of basically, you know, old for sure. It's, I mean, it's going to be 10 years old in a month. I bought an M one air that I was planning on using for a DJ laptop, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be going back to DJ and clubs anytime soon. So I gave that to Sonella. She's rocking that. So what's uh, what's in the studio? What uh, what are you rocking? I know you you got the new uh, M1 that just dropped, right? The 14. Yeah. So I had the M1 Mac Mini base model, and that was fine. But when ideally, I just want the iMac, right? The new Pro iMac or whatever. But I couldn't wait. I had to get the new 14 inch Pro. So I don't even remember what the specs are. Let me look. 14-inch Pro M1 Max chip, 64 gigs of RAM, two terabyte SSD. Damn, that's a beast, bro. Yeah. Are you noticing any difference with the Max? Because, you know, I know we geek out on this kind of shit, and we watch a lot of the same YouTubers. And most of the stuff that I've seen, they're saying, unless you're really doing graphics processing hardcore graphics editing or anything like that the pro i think fuse got the, fuse got probably the best bang for your buck like getting just a baseline m1 with a big hard drive and 16 gigs of ram is the move that's, that's what i got true. yep but like with this one i just maxed it out because the one thing i did notice when i was running the m1 mac mini is my ram was always being used up and it was like using the swap memory or whatever um, just because I have, you know, 10 apps open at all times at work, you know, I got spreadsheets open, email open, 50 Safari tabs or whatever, a bunch of PDFs. Um, so having in Photoshop and Illustrator on top of all that, and then Final Cut, if we're doing a video edit to something. <clears throat> so RAM is important to me. And I did notice since I upgraded that, I don't see any slowdowns really with memory and having additional hard drive space free is big for me because that M1 Mac mini was maxed out and it would just always be prompting me to like delete 
files and shit. It was a pain in the ass. So now what was the hard drive space on that? Five, 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 twelve. Five, twelve yeah. yeah. So I don't think I'll ever get less than I just like having the extra space and not having to delete shit anymore. Well, it's funny because in all reality, the the included storage, the baseline should be fine. We just hoard stuff. Yeah. You know, you're paying money to store files that you access once every three years or something. So in all reality, we should just dump it on a Dropbox with selective sync or put it on an external. But I'm lazy and I just like to have everything at my disposal at all times. So I'd just rather pay for the hard drive and be able to have it when I need it. Well, I had that selective sync with the one terabyte and it was fine. It's perfect. That's all I needed. But I'd be at a gig and I'd think, hey, this would be cool to have this background video playing right now. And of course, it'd be on selective sync because it's a big ass file video file that I want right. to drop. And exactly. I can't, I, I can't sync it up, and it just pissed me off. So it's just right now, I love the two terabytes. I don't ever think about anything, you know. Yeah, and it's only it'll space. hopefully just get cheaper with time. Yeah, and I mean, but if you're using these days, if if you're using like a Mac Mini for your, you know, your desktop, and it's never moving, the cost of a solid state external anymore is so cheap compared to what the upgrade is on the Mac. Yeah, but the drive, a solid state external is going to be way slower than the built-in hard drive on the computer. For sure. But if you're just storing crap, just to... Yeah, just get one of those like... this guy right here, this little Samsung guy right here. Yeah, this was telling something about this. Yep. These guys work good, yeah. This is two terabytes. I throw everything on this thing. I want to get a couple more of them. I love this little fucking drive. I'm curious. I think a lot of, I get asked by DJs all the time if it's important that you have the most drive, uh, the most RAM on your laptop. I have 16 gigs on my M1. You know, that's all you could get on this baseline M1. Do you think anybody needs to do more if it's like a Serato DJ? Maybe if you're doubling down like you are doing, do you think they need to upgrade to 32? Or what would you say would be something, a, a computer that somebody should really look into spec-wise? I mean, if you're using it for work, for professional stuff, if budget permits, I would say get whatever you can afford if you plan to keep the machine, but if you're just using it for Serato, I mean, you're probably fine with an M1 base model and buy however big of a hard drive you need for your library. But in all reality, if it's just a DJ machine, you should be able to go buy a baseline MacBook Air for $9.99 and it'd be fine. You don't need 300 gigs of music. Let's be real. <laughs> Nick Bike just posted a thing I saw on that. Twitter. I it saw said, that. I Anything pre-2018? Yeah, 2018, I deleted. And I wanted to tell Fuse that we should make that some kind of challenge is anything pre-2018 that has zero plays is just deleted. It's a wrap. Put it on an external external. and throw it in your bag. And if you're in a pinch, plug it in and play it. But you don't need to spend five or 800 bucks to upgrade your hard drive just so you have that file at your disposal. But I agree. I'm just saying, I'm asking your opinion. Tell... Tell the audience what you think. Nine ninety nine with an external for extra shit, or what's the baseline MacBook I mean, Air nine ninety nine? I, I would probably rather have two baseline MacBook Airs, one that stays in my DJ bag and one that stays on my desk, than a baseline fourteen inch Pro. It's the same price. <laughs> it is the same price. I mean, two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when you put it that way, it's it's. 
See, this is why we got him on. This is this is my guy that I talked to about tech. I, I think I sent you the specs I was looking at. The 14 Pro was it was the M1 Pro. I don't 10 know, core. Uh, yeah, 10 core with 16 GPU. We were we were pretty close on the same. What about? I, mean, uh, I just I just said fuck it and got maxed everything out besides the hard drive. If you're gonna do it, because like I said, I'm using it for work and I'm abusing it kind of. So I just like having the headroom. If and it, it doesn't flinch, right? No, it doesn't flinch. But if I was trying to be budget conscious, I would say uh, clean up your music library and just get a baseline machine. There it is. I'm telling you that deal that when I bought this one on the refurb section, that just baseline M1 with 16 gigs of RAM and a one terabyte hard drive is that's that's, that's the move. I yeah, agree for sure. What about anything else tech-wise? Anything, even just stuff you're using around the house, anything new you bought that you're really into? I got like the the smart home kind of going, but um, that stuff always just pisses me off. It seems like something is always not working how it's supposed to. So I end up just wishing that I had blinds that weren't smart. I wish they just had a fucking drawstring. But uh, yeah, other than that, the computer is like the only real purchase i i texted drew on black friday about this little battery pack which and i bought I thought, two of them have you used it no I, I almost bought one of those the other day i mean when they released it i was like oh that's stupid it won't even charge your phone up to where to 100 percent." but uh i borrowed one when i went on a trip recently and it actually came in super handy like not having because we all used to have the battery case. We have to take the phone and put it in the case and make sure the lightning connector lines up. And that was inconvenient. So this is great because you can just slap it on and cruise around for an hour and then just take it off. So it's good I, to have in a pinch, I think. I bought that when you sent that to me. And I also bought four AirTags uh, oh, nice. on Black Friday. But I haven't, I haven't fucked with them yet. I know you have a couple, right? I, I was going to throw one in my DJ bag. I just, I travel a lot. So I had my, my check on bag got lost on my last trip and it was on the next flight, which was weird. I had to go back to the airport, which sucked, but you know, it would have been cool to just have that little air tag in it. So I bought four of them to throw in all my yeah, bags. I mean, I would forward. definitely put one in your luggage for sure. Yeah. In your DJ bag, in your checked luggage. You can see it, it's a little warm in there, but uh, I've left my keys behind. The cool thing that I like about that is it'll warn you like if i leave the house without my keys it'll say like hey your keys were left behind and before i get to work and realize i don't have my key i just left my driveway you know that's uh one of those things like with the alexa apps they they do now is they have uh i forget what it's called but like if you have like a smart lock on your door now uh, she's talking in the background because i said her name now <laughs> Oh, it's called like a hunches or something like that. And if you have a smart lock on your door and, you know, it's kind of used to you leaving at 7 a.m. every morning and you forget to lock your door, it'll automatically do it for you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. It's been an amazing talk. I I love having you on. I could talk to you all night. Any last thing you want to mention or anything? I don't think I have anything. Unless you want to chat about something. No, I'm good. I think this is good. We just want to say thank you for coming on the show today. We appreciate you uh, taking time and being here with us. Obviously, we love you and we love talking with you and we could 
go on talking for hours. And I'm sure at some point we'll have you back on again. And uh, Drew, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I would just say, hey, hit them with all those links. Yeah. Where can they find you or just learn more about Club Cannon and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Clubcannon.com is the website at Clubcannon on Instagram. I have a DJ Donk Instagram as well. Uh, All my edits on direct music service. Um, Hopefully you guys found some of that useful. And um, thanks for having me. Great talking to you. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.